0: There is a big movement now to bolster nullification as a means of dealing with the excessive force of the federal government. Nullification is the right of the states and the right of the people. And what it basically says is that if an unconstitutional law or act or regulation or whatever is put forward by the federal government, the state... Has the right to nullify that and say, basically, we are not going to have any part of that at all because it's unconstitutional, number one. And number two, we as a sovereign entity have the right to say no because we're sovereign and we have the right to protect ourselves as a state and our citizens. So, nullification, the push for nullification, is a very important activity right now in the states. Some states are obviously a lot more active than others. Mm-hmm. Okay, but we're hoping that we can promote that concept generally among the states. We're seeing it now with the Obamacare, where mm-hmm. the federal government is coming. You need to set up your your exchanges, and states are saying, "Ah, I ain't going to do it." That is, in essence, that is the essence of nullification, mm-hmm. and that's very important. So, I see. When it comes to gun control and any kind of legislation that comes out of Washington, and, we, and you're right, we have no idea what's nothing may come out. You never know what's going to come out up there. They made obviously they don't have a, an approval rating of eight percent if they were doing something good. So you never really know what's going to happen. But whatever comes out, the states we have to urge our legislators in the state legislatures to to protect us. We cannot sit back
1: that's absolutely right, and I, I think that's where the battle is. A lot of what goes on in Washington, I suspect I think we can all agree on, on what the the agenda is ultimately, but I think what goes on a lot and what recently has went on a lot there's a couple of things at play here. I think some of it may be testing the waters. I think some of it is designed to mislead people. We hear so much about executive orders and the and this and that happening with executive orders, and basically what it's what that attempts to tell the American public that's that's watching this play out in the media is somehow the the president of the United States has the authority to just basically bypass the Constitution with an executive order. You know, I, as sheriff, I don't have that authority. Neither does the president. And but we're promoting ideas with misleading terms. You know, we're we're twisting the meanings of words to not not to convey thought anymore, but to promote
0: ideas. Well. From what I've heard, the, what he said, the president said last week, was not in the form of an executive order. It was executive memos or whatever you want to call it. Um, and realistically, if he gives out executive orders that are blatantly unconstitutional and usurp his authority, he could be impeached by the House of Representatives. He may not be convicted in the Senate, given the makeup of the Senate, but impeachment in the House is definitely a possibility, and it's a tool that should be used for mm-hmm. any president who steps out of bounds. That's the, that's the remedy of the, of the federal government. But the remedy of the states is to stand up and say, what you have done is unconstitutional, and therefore we will not follow it. And that's what I'm hoping is we're going to see a lot of. You know, uh, after World War II, we had the Nuremberg trials in which the Germans, the Nazis who were captured, were brought to trial for war crimes. And you know, of course, what their number one defense was. Their number one defense was I was only following orders. <laughs> and that really says a lot, doesn't it? Because I know that you know that you have a moral obligation what is that moral obligation, Sheriff Clinton? My
1: my moral obligation is to preserve the peace, protect the lives, persons, property, health, and morals of the citizens of Towns County, um, whatever that cost may be to myself. Uh, This is an issue that's really important to me that I really want people aware of and really pressuring the legislators about because in my capacity – Ultimately, I'm the first guy offering up my head, and I certainly would like to have the support of the state of Georgia and of the citizens uh, in that uh, that duty that I have to do that. I have a duty to protect your constitutional rights, and I
0: I intend to do my duty and keep my oath. Well, uh, the important thing is is that you, as a moral individual, and I know you are a moral individual, okay, as a moral individual, you understand what a moral order is, you understand You're a constitutional man. You've been sitting here discussing the Constitution with me like a scholar, which you are, and I appreciate that, Sheriff Clinton. So you know what's constitutional. You know what's moral. You know what's unconstitutional, and you know what's immoral. And I would never, ever expect to see you on the stand of a war crimes tribunal saying, I was only following orders. (laughs) I don't expect that from you because people of your character don't behave that. People of your character stand up and say, I am going to do what's morally and constitutionally correct.
1: That's right. And as sheriff, I take my orders from we the people. Um, and the Constitution is part of where I derive that authority, uh, along with the English common law. But So I will be following orders, uh, but it won't be orders that are handed down by a tyrannical government or anyone else. It will be the orders of the Constitution and we the people and the America that in the state of Georgia, that I serve as sheriff.
0: Well, that's good to hear. So let me ask you another question. Are you going to deputize a bunch of people if you need to? (laughs) If
1: I need to. Sheriffs do have that authority to to raise a posse in a time of an emergency, which is another important thing to me when it comes to Second Amendment rights. I I would go along with, uh, I think it was Sheriff Mack that, uh, that made the statement to to the central government, stop trying to disarm my potential posse members because that's so true. Um, I need people in the community to have the ability. They they delegated their authority to me. Um, in a time of a real emergency, I may well need their help in carrying out that authority. And, you know, it's, so it's a very important thing that they still
0: have and retain their, their rights. Well, you know, I feel that there's no question that if civil unrest or, occurs, the sheriff's office is going to need law-abiding, honest, moral citizens armed to help out. There's no way you have the manpower to be able to manage those situations. That's Sheriff right. Clinton, I want, to know, I want you to know that, that this has been a pleasure talking with you. This is a, an extremely important issue. Our rights, our God-given rights are so important. It's what separates mm-hmm. us as Americans from every other country on earth.
1: That's correct, and thank you again, Dr. Dan. Like I said, it's always a real pleasure to to come in and and speak with you. I appreciate the job that you do in informing Americans and doing your part to make sure that we understand what's at stake and, and what our rights are.
0: Thank you, Sheriff Clinton. Again, it's a pleasure. I know you'll be back on Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum. Thank you.
1: And that concludes another episode of Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum. Join the battle on our website, www.drdansfreedomforum.com. The rights to own private property that cannot be arbitrarily confiscated by the government is the moral right and constitutional basis for individual freedom.
2: The
0: They call them muddy waters. And people, I just love to hear that old
1: man sing. Yeah,
0: when I play the hoochie coochie man, I get joy in everything. Everything.
1: Everything gonna be alright this morning
2: the direct effect of each issue on the individual, on you personally, not some anonymous being in a distant place, and to define in no uncertain terms the consequences of inaction. Let the battle begin.
0: Welcome to Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum. This is Dr. Dan. Well, this program, listeners, is for you, no matter who you voted for or what political party you belong to. Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum is not about politics. It's about principle. It's not about candidates. It's about conscience and the Constitution. Like the name implies, this is a program about freedom. Your freedom. Where it comes from, what it means to you, and most importantly, how to hang on to it.
1: You're listening to a very special episode of Dr. Dance Freedom Forum. This is part three of three of a very exclusive interview with Towns County Sheriff Chris Clinton. How do we keep a central government from, from getting out of check? Uh, number one, well certainly the ability to to keep them from getting out of check. But number one is to understand that ability. I think you go back, you always have to go back to what Madison said. Most people don't realize, you know, it's with the office of sheriff. The only, I'm sorry, I I got a lot of friends in law enforcement, but it's the only constitutional form of law enforcement in existence. Uh, The central government has three areas they can enforce the law. And they're the only law enforcement officer that's elected by We the People that answers directly to We the People. I may need, in a situation like that, to call on you to come assist me as a posse member. You're not going to be able to help me very much with a pitchfork. You know, I hope you'll bring your AR-15 or whatever the situation calls for.
0: I think that's really important, Point is that if from all aspects, we are entitled to be armed mm-hmm. with the latest weaponry and whatever we need to either be of service to you, to protect our family, to prevent a tyrannical federal government. Can you imagine... If all of those Jews, gypsies and other undesirables in, in Nazi Germany had been armed, would there been would it would have been then. a different story. As it was, they were because they were unarmed, they were able to take okay, completely low level functionary type people who weren't even barely military, many of whom did not even have loaded weapons. And those millions and millions of people were slaughtered and forced into the gas chambers by people who didn't even have guns or even knew how to use them because the people themselves were unprotected and that is unfortunately what happens time and time again in nineteen eleven turkey established gun control and from nineteen fifteen to 1917, one and a half million armenians unable to defend themselves were rounded up and exterminated mm-hmm. The same thing happened in China, Guatemala, Uganda, Cambodia, all around the world. Is When you disarm people, a tyrannical federal government can decide that group, whoever they pick, that group is going to be exterminated. And you know what people don't realize? They say, well, that can never happen here. But that is not true. You can ask the hundreds of thousands of American citizens of Japanese descent who, on an executive order, by FDR during World War II were rounded up, stripped of their property, and incarcerated for the duration of World War II. So, again, it does happen. It can happen here. It can happen in any so-called civilized country. And that, to me, is one of the critical, important issues in the Second Amendment. It's not for hunting deer it is for protecting my family and for you to protect your family but it's also to make sure that those people up in Washington don't get the idea that for some reason some group of us maybe people like me with bald heads don't deserve to live anymore we're all rounded off and sent off to the gas chamber and I don't have a gun to protect myself
1: right you and as sheriff my fundamental purpose for existing in that capacity Is to to keep something like that from happening. It's my duty, Uh, Anderson said. Not only is it the the sheriff have the authority, but his duty um, when a situation like that arises to to do what needs to be you know determine what needs to be done and acting accordingly. And if you and the rest of the citizens around me don't have the ability to defend yourselves, um, you get down to a situation where in Towns County I only have a handful of deputies. In a situation like that, I would need a tremendous amount of help, and uh, that's why sheriffs have the authority to mount posses, and it's very important that those posse members have their God-given right to keep and bear arms if they're going to be a benefit in that situation.
0: So let's talk about some of the practicalities of our current situation. We have a federal government, an executive branch, and a bunch of people who Elites, whatever you want to call them, who really understand that fact, that as long as we're armed, they cannot make this a socialist nation. They cannot arrest people. They cannot take away their Fourth Amendment rights as easily. They really are more constrained because they'll never, they never know if someone they come to get will shoot back or not. Once you take away that protection, and that's what they want, okay, make no mistake about it, that's exactly what they want, and we know why they want it, mm-hmm. then we are as vulnerable as the Jews in Germany, as the peasants in Mao's China, uh, or the intellectuals in Cambodia. I mean, we are vulnerable if we cannot protect ourselves. So, uh, I know that that's, you, you understand that. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's no question in my mind that you do understand that absolutely, so as they proceed, obviously, your role as the county sheriff is going to be in a spotlight. Mm-hmm. So how do you see your role as a county sheriff when edicts, rules, regulations, laws, or whatever may or may not be coming down from Washington? Mm-hmm. What recourse do you have, what recourse does the state have, what recourse do the people have when unconstitutional, and we know that any laws that come out like that, any law that restricts our right to be armed and protect ourselves is unconstitutional beyond any question. Mm-hmm. What recourse do we all have? Well,
1: and I'll try to sum that down as much as I can, but there's a lot at play here. Um, going back, you mentioned executive orders. You know, one thing that's important is what, is what is an executive order? If I order a deputy sheriff to go out here and do something that's lawful that I have the authority to order him to do, um, then that's, I've given an executive order. I, is sheriff's office is an executive office. Um, if I order a deputy to go out here and do something that I don't have the illegal authority to do, I've not issued an executive order. I've committed a crime, basically. Um, and here's what happens. It, just like You'd mentioned when you were in the military, you swore an oath. As sheriff, um, you know, three times people have decided uh, in Towns County to, to give me, you know, the the opportunity to serve them as sheriff, and three times in that capacity, and several times as a deputy sheriff, I've sworn an oath to protect the Constitution of the United States and the state of Georgia. So help me God. Um, I have a duty, and it's a duty that's been handed down over more than two millennia of recorded history, to protect those citizens. Here's the thing. Article Two never gave the President of the United States the authority to make law. Article One, Section 8 spelled out the limited authority of the central government. Any order or anything else that is against the Constitution of the United States and of the state of Georgia, I have a duty to protect the citizens, period. I don't work for the president. I don't work for the governor. And I don't want to get into a situation where I'm making broad statements. I know a lot of sheriffs have written letters uh, without knowing yet what, what was going to come out. Um, but I will, I'm more than happy to make a public statement that as long as the people of Towns County allow me to serve as sheriff and as long as the great state of Georgia recognizes that the sheriff is the chief executive law enforcement officer of the county, elected by we the people, No entity of any kind is going to be allowed to come into Towns County and take away the constitutional rights of the citizens, whatever those, Second Amendment, First Amendment, whatever amendment, whatever those rights are. But here's the trick. We go back to what Madison said. A lot of people don't realize, here's where your sheriffs need your help. Your sheriffs have a lot of authority, um, you know, constitutional authority. They're elected by we the people to keep us safe. But we need the support of our legislators and our governors. And um, I'm very pleased that, you know, our local legislators have done a pretty good job. But, you know, we're going into a new legislative session as a a regional vice president for the association. I'll be down there in Atlanta some reminding these folks under the gold dome that this is about we the people and serving we the people. And what we really need is for people to, to remember, to wake up and remember, hey, wait a minute, you guys work for us. And to expect, you know, if the central government doesn't have the authority and the states have the authority to protect you, say, on the Second Amendment, the sheriff has been recognized in Georgia as the arm of the state of Georgia for exercising her police authority. You know, you get a lot of times you'll have guys come in from some state department you know, that happens to have some law enforcement, and they'll say, we're from the state. No, you're not. The sheriffs are from the state. They're the arm of the state of Georgia in her policing powers. Um if our legislature willingly gives up its authority, we're going to be in some serious trouble. And that's where, the, to me, the real battle is in our state legislatures at this point because I think it's a given that, that there are those in Washington who no longer care what the Constitution says. They want to see nobody's holding them accountable. They want to see how much can we get away with.